Welcome to We Grow California with your hosts, Darcy Villery and Darcy Burke, a safe space to discuss water, agriculture, and what makes California grow. We have guests from those who just drink water to those that make water policy, all passionate about the water issues that face all Californians today. Join the conversation by liking, subscribing, sending in your questions, and submitting your request to be our guest. Let's get this conversation started. So Darcy, as you know, we always start with why. So why a podcast? I think it's important, don't you, like to get the message out about what we're doing and how important uh, water is to the state, how important agriculture is to the state, and and how how we at at the PAC are are working on those issues. So, what do you hope people walk away with after they listen to maybe a few episodes? What do you want them to walk away with? In terms of it's like I said, it's the the audience we're talking to. I want people to appreciate what we do in agriculture. I want people to appreciate that water is important to the state. It's, it's an issue that even myself, I didn't fully appreciate till I came to work on the ranch uh, about 11 years ago. I, I didn't know much about it. And then once you really get into the nitty gritty of it, it, it's a very complex, important issue. And probably in a lot of respects, I know it doesn't, sounds crazy to say it's the most important issue in the state, but I really do think it is. I also personally think it's a, it is in a lot of respects, a, a, a nonpartisan or a bipartisan issue. I think we supply ag supplies, a lot of important products to the country. And I know we say the world and, and also that um, if you could do it somewhere else with less regulation and less trouble and less fighting, you would, but we do it here. And there's a lot of great reasons that we'll get into, I'm sure over the course of the podcast as to why it is done in, in this, in this place in California. So one of the things I help people walk away with is first of all, an appreciation we know when you ask people in Southern California where their water comes from, they say the tap. And if mm-hmm. I ask them where their groceries come from or where they get their food, they say the grocery store, right? So we've done such a good job, both in ag and water, of delivering just what they need when they need to get it, that there's no appreciation to the process that that goes into it. So I hope after listening to the podcast that when it's not too technical and people have a better understanding of what we're really talking about, and just a deeper appreciation for not only water and water reliability Mm -hmm. and water investments, but ag in general, and the family farmer there that's busting their butt to make sure that we all have food on our table. But that brings up a- Can I share a fun story to that with you? Absolutely. So uh, I was in, because I I lived in San Francisco for about 10 years, went to college there, and then I was back visiting friends, and I'm out with them, and I'm having a conversation with uh, another friend. And we're just chatting about it because to everybody over there, it's kind of a weird thing that I moved into agriculture. Nobody expected it. And they don't fully appreciate and understand, you know, what we do, like we were just saying. Um, to that end, he he said to me, I don't understand. And this is the thing I didn't either until I learned about it. I don't understand why I drive by. It's raining. Why are you sprinkling the fields? And I and I told him the thing that that I know. It's like that. I don't know how much rain that is. That could be a tenth of an inch or a quarter of an inch. I need six inches right here, pre-irrigation right now, consistently across the field so that when I go in and use my drip irrigation, the whole system works. If I don't do that, I'm going to be wildly inefficient. And it's it's the most consistent thing, which is what California agriculture provides, sustainably consistent food supply. And that without that, he, and he's like, oh, that's really interesting. Yeah, they didn't so, know, right? Know. It's what you don't know. No, they didn't have any idea. I, I yeah. think for me, um, I've made water my profession for over 20 years. And the very first time I did a tour of the Central Valley, I was very surprised to see flood irrigation, 
where farmers were flooding the fields and I'm used to drip. I'm used to, you know, everything's mm -hmm. on a weather timer. Um, you know, it's, it's dialed in for micro finite watering, um, even in the grapes out here in Southern California, the grapevines. However, what I learned about that was something that we've spent millions and billions of dollars in Southern California developing was recharging the aquifer. So flood irrigation mm -hmm. had two purposes. Not only was it f taking care of the, the crops that were in the field, it was taking care of recharging the aquifer in key areas throughout the Central Valley that I was unaware of. So I think to your point, even as a water professional, it's what I didn't know and not thinking that one size fits all. So what your point is, when we tell people in Southern California, generally speaking, when it's raining, shut off your sprinklers. So that mm -hmm. message being effective is really what we're trying to do because we're not growing anything but grass, typically. I'm not talking about the small ranches or the farmers in Southern California. I'm talking about urban, suburban, residential units that have grass, and they're watering them during mm -hmm. the rain. That's usually unnecessary. So I can see where your friend or your acquaintance was like, well, why do you have it on, your sprinklers on, right? Well, I mean, yeah, it's sprinklers in the field because it turns into like, uh, you know, it's like, well, it's raining. Isn't that enough for the crop? It's like, no, it's really not. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's not when and what I need. So this is this is how we do it. It is a totally different bit, even up and down the state, like you said. It's it's kind of amazing. There's spots where I farm. Um, you wouldn't want to do flood because it's 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 a it's a salt issue and all these other things, but plenty of parts of the state, it's 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 probably the one of the more efficient ways to go about it. So one of the things you probably don't know about me, Darcy, is my brother and I own a family farm in North Dakota. And, no, I don't think you mentioned that. Yeah, before. so it, we're, we're we are fourth generation farmers. Uh, for everybody's benefit, my cousins actually farm the property that we own. However, we are a dry farm. We depend on mm -hmm. rain um, to make anything grow. There is no irrigation. There is no possibility of getting irrigation there. So it's a completely, you know, to your point, depends on where you are. Right, the soil is going to dictate oh, yeah. where you are within the state of above an aquifer or not. And for people that may not even know what an aquifer is, it's it's basically an area underground that stores water naturally. And for a long time, um, that was the only way we stored water in California was in an aquifer or in the groundwater. And since then, we've been able to build reservoirs that help not only with water reliability, but with flood control. So there's a lot of benefit to the water system we have in Southern California and, and why that works. I know that um, you are knee deep in the fields regularly, Darcy. And so you're hearing firsthand from farmers. What are, what are they talking about right now? What's going on? It is, you know, it, it's always, the thing is, like I said, it's it's hard to supply a sustainable food supply when you don't have a sustainable supply of water or dependable supply of water. Because a lot of us have spent uh, a lot of time and money, um, our own money, money supported by the state, our districts. And even then, you know, I got, I got a field that's all drip that um, is... Is, is I'm going to be following it this year because it just isn't even, even with all the efficiencies and all the planning, um, there's just not enough. And you end up having to, you know, lay guys off or not hire people you normally have. I mean, I've got a great guy, you know, great labor crew. I love our, our crew foreman, but there's just not as much for him to do because there's just not as much being grown. And I appreciate all the issues that go into it. But um, when it, it everybody's just, I think I'd say most guys are extremely frustrated from 
one end of that low end of that spectrum to a very high stress load because everybody's got different districts and and different histories. And so they um they're just I'd say they're very upset in is the most polite way to put it. So you brought up a, um, a term and, and frustrated. You brought up a term, Darcy, that um we're familiar with, but maybe not all of our listeners are, and that's fallowing. What does it mean to mm-hmm. fallow land? It basically means, you know, you're, you're back to dry farming in an area where it doesn't really make sense. And typically you're just like for us, we bedded up and prepared for tomatoes and you're leaving it barren and you end up, going, OK, I just loaded. I just I, I don't know what's going on. And guess what? It just rained a bunch in December, which is, you know, hopefully a good outlook because forecasts are only so good. So do you prepare? Because let me walk you through the whole cycle, maybe for everybody. For us, when we're done with one season, we go in and we start preparing our soil like the moment you're done with the last year. You're you're either whatever you're doing. And for us, we're still pretty. We're not we're minimum till, not no till. So you're preparing your beds. You're you're doing your disc work, everything, and then you got to go in and you're you ask yourself, right? Am I what soil amendments am I going to apply? Compost, gypsum, whatever. Or am I going to go put out pre-plant fertilizer? Uh, what, what money am I about to spend predicated on what I think the, the water is going to be? And you go, okay, well, I'll go spend this money. You get your beds bedded up and then it's a really wet December. You're feeling pretty good. And then dry January, February, and suddenly your field is empty and that's fallow. You just, you're, you're not getting any money. You've got a bunch of money sunk into it that you may never get back. And it, uh, it's, it's just, it, it's, it's not good is what I say. We're, we're personally us, like we, uh, we do fireball. We're in two districts, fireball and Westlands. All of Westlands is basically safe. Some of our permanent crops is fallowed. And even in fireball, we're, we're following a field just to make sure we can do everything else we're doing. You know, um, in Southern California, Metropolitan Water District of Southern California has used fallowing to offset some of the uh, reduced amounts off the Colorado River and compensating those communities in unique ways because it does have a direct impact to the local economy, not just to the to the farmer themselves. But one of the things you mentioned was, you know, it was a wet December, dry January, dry February. That brings up one of my favorite topics, the water year. So, um, you know, for those of us that follow water, we, we anxiously awaited on the news the gentleman that went out with the sticks into the Sierras and put his stick in and said, the snow is this, this high, or there was no snow in his, his spot. And I know we've become a lot more sophisticated now, but I think maybe it'd be nice to explain to our listeners what a water year is if they, they don't know, because again, that goes to water speak, you know, we're speaking our own secret language. Oh yeah. So um, tell me about a water year. That's another one of those terms that I asked. I, I had no idea what it was till I, till I came out here and it is, the water year for California runs from October 1 till September 30th of the next calendar year, because our wettest months are January, February and our rain, you know, we tend to start in October. And then if you actually go on the California Department of Water Resources website and start looking at reservoir levels, there's inflow numbers and stuff that count for the year. And then it does it like it October 1 every year, back to zero, your accumulative rain all gone and you're starting over again. Because that period, especially, um, like I said, between October and, and February, and that's why we use the term Miracle March, because, okay, we're not expecting it. Now, atmospheric river comes through and hits us and gives us a bunch of water. Um, that's that's the term for the water year, because that's how we measure inflow, storage levels, because like, like we've been talking about, 
flood control and everything. Okay, we're going back into the next water year. Time to start doing some releases like Folsom. It's like everybody's upset they're not storing water, but the Folsom Dam guys are going like, um, I gotta do this because I don't know what's coming and it could it could flood. You know, it's gotten better, like you said, but it's still not perfect. So that is if I hope I've explained it well, that's that's a water year. And also up and down the state, the, everybody's water year is different in terms of how much rain you're going to get, right? I'm right. That the, the year of. is the same, but how much water you're going to get, yes. which goes back to a term that I, I've come to loathe, which is allocations, right? So the mm-hmm. state will say, and the federal government system will say, okay, we've had this much precipitation we have or rain. We have this much snowpack. We estimate that we're either 80% of what a normal year is, we're 110% of what a normal year is. So based on this and our projections, we're going to tell you how much water you get. You know, mm-hmm. That's not what we yeah. all signed up for. We signed up for 100% of that contract, right? And very rarely anymore do we ever see anything close to that. So recently mm-hmm. in Southern California, we got a 15% allocation. And um, in the federal project, they got zero. And zero, oh, I know that one. Yeah. Zero times zero is zero. So to your point about oh, yeah. your tomatoes, right? How are you going to irrigate them? How are you going to grow them? How do you grow food without water? You don't. Uh, you, you, <laughs> you know, you try. And like you said, we're all trying to... Um, to, to guess at what the next year is going to be. And I think the unfortunate part for a number of us uh, is that we don't have, the, the system was originally designed for there to always be enough in that sense. And by which I mean, we're not, it, that that it, it would be stable. And it's it's clearly not for a bunch of regulatory reasons and other stuff. And to that end, even for like the exchange contractors, it's like, well, I we need to be working on uh, our own water banks and other things because that's created a big uh, a big conversation that's a topic all the time is dry your sustainability because whether anything's coming or not or whatever's going on you you kind of got to be pushing to to get the, and the things that everybody's fighting for better releases we need to be getting our hundred percent but also other stuff to to backstop you so that you can you know keep keep moving forward and keep doing what we've all been doing for 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 us you know since nineteen forty nine so I can tell you in Southern California we have spent billions truly billions of dollars on storage and on projects that recycle water, even recycle sewage water to above and beyond drinking water standards. So, and those Mm -hmm. investments have carried us through these really dry times, right? We've been able to serve more people with less water and have more reliability because we have built the infrastructure. I know Californians passed a number of propositions to fund big projects up and down the state, so we're not in these situations. And it's very disheartening for me, uh, both personally and as someone that uh, serves on a water board, that those projects have gone nowhere quickly. I mean, they, they, we oh, have yeah. billions waiting, and there's definitely a need, but the amount of red tape and regulatory um, fortitude to get through that process, not to mention you will be sued, and and people oh yeah and no matter what you're doing right so you're looking at a 20 year project if you're lucky if you start today it oh yeah it's incredibly frustrating when even the stuff i think a lot a lot of the projects that are proposed by um everybody you know by the the water districts and everything else i think are can help the issues that i think the people who don't like us are fighting against in terms of water release you know if you want to be consistent for fish you got to be consistent for everybody and that means projects. Oh, I don't want projects. It's like, well, okay, then what are we talking about? Because if we go start removing dams 
you're going backwards in time in a way that's not productive for, for anybody. You're going to tell everybody, you know, in Oroville that they have to move, you know what I mean? Things right. that, that's a pretty big thing, but, or pretty, you know, heady statement to make, but it is that because we've all settled into these areas and it stuff needs to be done so that we can be more efficient with it. And, and to that number you're saying about billions spent in Southern California, I, I did a number a long time ago. And if you ask yourself, it's an old number I have in my head, but I think we, we are North of 3 million acres of, um, of drip in this state. We have more, more drip in this state drip than irrigation. in the rest of the continental United States. Drip irrigation yes, more drip irrigation and micro sprinkler. Sorry, more drip <laughs> irrigation and, and, and micro sprinkler than any other state. And that number is five years old. So I know it's much, much better, much bigger, much bigger number. And if you multiply that, uh, the investments we've all made against what it costs, I mean, we've built another reservoir and it, in savings and it's still not enough. And part of that's half the time is because the water we've just saved disappears. It doesn't get held. It doesn't go anywhere. And we, it just, in my opinion, a lot of times gets wasted, you know, for it to, to nobody's benefit. Well, and so. I think part of the, the reason we're doing the podcast we talked about is educating people and getting them to understand because really a lot of times and, and We've all seen it. You might meet an elected official or a policymaker that really isn't knowledgeable about this issue, but they're going to weigh in and they're going to make a vote. So the yeah, exchange yeah. contractors packs, really the purpose is to influence and educate um, so that better policy is made for water, for ag, for property rights. It doesn't say different policy. It just says better so that people are more yeah, informed. Absolutely. So I, I think that, you know, we've spent a lot of time today talking about some surface water and some the water year. And I, I know that, you know, um, water is a very complex project. Um, piece by piece, you can you can take this topic and really spend a lifetime or a career on it. Um, I want to make sure that our our listeners know that we're going to talk about groundwater. We're going to talk about a lot of different things. This is just not a surface water conversation. Um, oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I don't know, uh, before we close out on this episode, Darcy, is there anything you want to, last thoughts you want to talk about? I think, in, I just want everybody to know we're the, you know, to speak, I think for a second for the packet, it it, we are working to to make the water situation in California better. I mean, in my opinion, just period. We, we, we appreciate everybody everybody's positions and we want to educate elected officials and, and any, anybody interested really so that we can start investing. And it feels like stop, stop, you know, pre prevent us from going, Oh, it's wet. And then not doing anything again. We need to keep moving forward as a state. Well, I yeah. also want to give some resources to our listeners. So the exchange contractors, political action committee has a website, ecwaterpack.com. And if you visit slash podcast, you'll be able to see this and also fill out a form. If you have any questions or comments, we'd love to hear from you. And we want to be able to make sure that this is relevant to you on your day daily drive, right? So you can tune in and, and yeah. get some information and make it useful, whether you're someone that grows food or you're someone that eats food. Absolutely. Thank you for listening to another We Grow California episode and being a part of our community. Be sure to like, subscribe, submit your questions and guest requests at ecwaterpack.com forward slash podcast. That's ecwaterpac.com forward slash podcast today.